So we're going to continue in Proverbs. Um, and today we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 5 to 7. And the topic today is dealing with adultery. And so I just want to give a quick note, um, especially to the families. Um, this talk will be uh, many adult themes. <laughs> it's a little bit of an M-rated talk. So um, if you want to change your channel to 22 uh, for the kiddies, ABC, I think Peppa Pig is on right now. So um, yeah, so just the notes there. Okay, that's the disclaimer. Um, Cleopatra, Albert Einstein, William Shakespeare, Bill Clinton, and Tiger Woods, all famous people, not just in their own generation, but in all history. Names that continue to stand out in all of humanity in their different fields. But the one thing that they all have in common is what? They all committed adultery. They all cheated on their partner or spouse. Actually, if you type in Google famous people who committed adultery, there are thousands I think it's actually harder to find people that haven't, or famous celebrities that haven't committed adultery. Um, adultery is not something new. Um, cheating on your spouse is not something that is uh, just our generation, but has been a part of humanity since humanity has been around. And so today, as we look at the theme of adultery, um, and, and I am warning you, it, it will get very real very quick, so please prepare yourself for some very hard truths. Um, my job is not to, um, it's not to filter God's word. My job is to present God's truth, and it's up to the Holy Spirit how he chooses to speak to you. Uh, and, so, and, and so with the complexity of this talk, I have definitely, um, you know, putting that with a lot of prayer um, as well. But let's start with a definition. Some of you are like, what's adultery? Is it becoming an adult? Uh, no, not really. The dictionary defines it as this. Voluntary sexual intercourse between a married person and a person who is not their spouse. Simply put, it is when a married person has sex with someone other than the person that they married. Now, if you actually read that definition, it's actually, it seems like a very narrow definition because there's questions like, well, what if the couple wasn't married? What if they were just a de facto couple and then someone had sex with someone else? Is it still adultery? What if they didn't have sex? What if they did everything but have sexual intercourse? Is that still considered adultery? Or how close can you get to the line without calling it adultery? One of the Ten Commandments that's given by God to his people in the Old Testament is what? Do not commit adultery. Uh, adultery has been a theme throughout the whole of the Bible. Um, even though the commandment says do not commit adultery and the definition says that, you know, it's it's only when you have sex within a married person and a non-married person. Actually, Jesus then addresses 
This same commandment, do not commit adultery in Matthew. And he actually says this, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. The idea of adultery is not necessarily to have the narrow view that if it's only if you had sex, then it's adultery. But Jesus actually says it's not, uh, it's not a sex issue, it's actually a heart issue. That anything outside of the, the covenant of marriage, whether it be physical, emotional, spiritual, or even intellectual, is considered adultery. So this is where I really want to start to framework and say adultery isn't this very thin line to say, well, no, this is okay, this is okay. No, actually, adultery is quite wide, the way God sees it. Now, we live in a society that does not, marriage is not sacred. Uh, Cheating is not even a big deal. Uh, There was a statistic from the Journal of uh, Psychology and Christianity that says, By the age of 40, 65% of men and 55% of women will have had an extramarital affair by the age of 40. That's more than half of the married people in this world have cheated and committed adultery. And the sad thing is this, it's not any different in the church. You'd think that it would, but it's not. So the question we want to ask tonight is this. What does wisdom say about adultery? What does God say about adultery? And there's four things that we see in Proverbs 5 to 7 about adultery. And let's work through these things. Number one, the deception of adultery. Proverbs 5, 3. For the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey. And her speech is smoother than oil. Proverbs uh, 6.24 and 25, keeping you from your neighbor's wife, from the smooth talk of a wayward woman, do not lust in your heart after her beauty or let her captivate you with her eyes. That's 6.25. The deception of adultery. What adultery promises What cheating promises is excitement, attraction, connection, fulfillment. That's what adultery promises. That's why so many people do it because it's like, woohoo, so exciting, so great, so fulfilling. But actually, it's a lie because what adultery really brings is bitterness, destruction, and instability. Proverbs 5, 4 to 6 But in the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of life. Her paths wander aimlessly, but she does not know. And that is the description of what adultery really provides. That's the lie of adultery. What it promises and what it delivers is something completely different. It's the lie that tells us that it's not a big deal. It's the lie that says, it's going to be fantastic. It's better than what you have right now. No one else is going to get hurt. You just do whatever you want to do. And it's this lie. And scripture tells us that that's the first thing. It's the deception of adultery. 
Second thing that it teaches us is the price of adultery. What's the price that's paid when adultery actually happens? Proverbs 5, 7 to 14. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Keep to a path far from her, meaning far from adultery. Do not go near the door of her house, lest you lose your honor to others and your dignity to one who is cruel. Lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich the house of another. At the end of your life, you will groan when your flesh and body are spent. You will say, how I hated discipline, how my heart spurned correction. I would not obey my teachers or turn my ear to my instructors. And I was soon in serious trouble in the assembly of God's people. What's the price of adultery that wisdom gives to us? Firstly, we lose our honor and dignity. Our reputation is gone. There's a saying, right? Once a cheater always a cheater. Everything that we've worked for in our marriage is gone. That's the price of adultery. This is an interesting one. The body is consumed with a disease. That's the price of adultery. What it's saying is if a husband and wife were faithful to each other, meaning they had no other sexual partners, they would not transmit such diseases. What are we talking about? We're talking about STDs. I couldn't believe it. I was studying this passage. I was like, oh my God, I've never, I never knew that the Bible actually talks about sexually transmitted diseases. But it's right there. The Bible actually talks about it. See, what it's saying is if you only, if you are faithful to your husband and wife and you had no other sexual partners before that, there's no way you could get an STD. Amazing. Right? The, the, we are filled, what else? The price of adultery. We are filled with remorse after it's too late. We, are, we experience total ruin, disgrace, humiliation, isolation, and even death. There are some very big prices to pay for adultery. I thought about this only because I was preaching it, but I thought, what would the price be if I committed adultery? What would the fallout be? How many people would actually be affected if I chose to cheat on my wife? Number one, my wife, she'd be mm, not happy. I've got five kids. I'd have to explain to five kids why, what I did. And then I'm an organization of a faith I'm a leader of a faith organization. I, I would have to stand down from church. Straight away, there's 100 people that's affected by that. And then the, the wider community. Just from my own simple action, the price is huge. But then we go back to the lie of the, the deception of adultery, which says it's okay, no one will be affected. But wisdom shows us the price. Thirdly, the enticements of the adulteress. Why do people fall into such the trap when the price is so high, when the damage is so great? Why? Because the trap is big. Proverbs 7, 10 to 19. Then out came a woman to meet me, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. She was unruly and defiant. Her feet never stayed at home. 
Now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner she lurks. She took hold of him and kissed him. And with a brazen face, she said, Today I fulfilled my vows and I have food from my fellowship offering at home. So I came out to meet you. I looked for you and have found you. I have covered my bed with colored linen from Egypt. I have perfumed my, uh, I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deeply of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves in love. Hey, my husband's not at home. He has gone on a long journey. That's temptation. You got to think, right? Why, if you know the devastation of adultery, why do so many people fall for it? Because the temptation is real. See, for some people, they go and find adultery. But I would say, but for some other people, adultery comes and looks for them. And sadly, even though they didn't go looking for it, When it came to them, they were not strong enough to withhold the temptation. I know for many people, if I said, hey, if I put you in a room with someone of the opposite gender, no one will ever know, no one will ever find out, would you be able to walk away from the temptation? Would you be able to walk away from the adulteress? Most of us will say, of course we would. But I promise you, if you're there in that space, for some of us, it would be a different story. We're not as strong as we think. And the temptation, the enticements of the adulteress are huge. Number four, what we learn about adultery is the warning of adultery. Proverbs 7, 24 to 27. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Many other victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave leading down to the chambers of death. The warning is there from wisdom. Leading down to the chambers of death. The warning is there, black and white. It's crystal clear. Adultery is the fast track road to destruction and death. It is the total opposite way from going to God. The warning is there. Now, this passage presents this picture of wisdom with adultery, and it sounds really gloomy and negative. But within this passage, it also gives us wisdom on how to fight against adultery. And we see that in chapter 5, verse 15 to 20. Drink water from your own cistern. Running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water in the public squares. Let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. May you, your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deed. May her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. Why, my son, be intoxicated with another man's wife? Why embrace the bosom of a wayward woman? Wisdom tells us, The Proverbs tell us that the best way to fight against adultery or the the temptation of things outside of our marriage 
is to actually have a healthy marriage. You know, drink water in your own cistern. Why, why my son be intoxicated with another man's wife when you have your wife at home? Be more and more in love with your spouse. That is the number one way that we fight against adultery. And can I tell you, especially to all the married couples there that are tuning in, don't be proud thinking that your marriage is healthy and that this would never happen to us. I promise you, I tell you, I have seen and witnessed healthy marriages fall to the temptation because no one is exempt. But there is definitely a correlation of healthy marriages that fall less into temptation outside the marriage. Why? Because they have what they need. One of the biggest reasons why adultery is committed is because the one person is unhappy with what they have in front of them. One person is unfulfilled with what is in front of them. Therefore, they go and try to find something else. But Scripture tells us, Scripture tells us that if you want to fight against adultery, be more in love with your spouse. Fight for your marriage because that's the way you're going to fight against the enemy. Be so in love with your wife that you don't see anything else. You know what's funny? When you start dating, you know, and, and you know, praise be the Lord, we've got people in our congregation that are dating. And when they first start dating, you talk to them and they don't see anything else. Right? Their eyes are blind. And that's why they say love is blind, right? And it's funny, right? Like, they're like, because when you start dating, you don't, you don't commit adultery. You don't think about other people because you're just so in love with this one person, right? What's funny is after they get married, things can change. After you start living together, after, you know, two years, three years, five years, seven, 10, 14, right? And that's where it starts to get funny. When your marriage is not healthy, you're going to look for something, right? Praise be the Lord. I can honestly, hand on heart, tell you that I am more in love with my wife after 14 years of marriage than I've ever been before. And that's not because I'm awesome. It's because my wife is awesome. So praise be to God for that. My wife is amazing. She's given me five children and she doesn't even like children. That's the amazing part of it, right? Love you, honey. Plus, I'm too scared of her. <laughs> and, and you all know what that means as well. I want to finish with some practical applications. You know, this is a really serious topic, right? And I have to, in one sense, I have to lighten it because if I don't lighten it, it's too serious. And, and don't worry, I'll, I'll, I'll wrap it up well. But I want to finish with four practical applications for our marrieds and our non-marrieds because this actually, the topic of adultery affects everyone. Right? So how do we, how do we um, deal with adultery? Number one, seek wisdom. That's the whole point of the Proverbs. Seek wisdom, which means what? Seek wisdom means what? Fear the Lord. 
Wisdom, the beginning of all wisdom is when we fear the Lord, when we respect and revere God so much that everything that we do and everything that we think and everything that we say starts at the point with what would God say? What would God think? And then I'm going to respond. That's what Proverbs says. That's wisdom. So in your marriage, seek wisdom. In your marriage, fear God. Fear God. Because that's where wisdom begins. Because if we are fearing God in our lives, if we are fearing God and respecting Him and, rev- and, and we have reverence towards Him and we're thinking about God, we are less likely to go and act loosely and just impulse. Wisdom will tell you and guide you on how to move through seasons of trials and temptations. Fear the Lord and seek wisdom. That's the first one. Second one, be proactive. Don't sit there and wait for something to happen and and then deal with it. Can I tell you, not many people... Not many people wake up in the morning and go, you know what? I'm going to cheat on my husband. You know what? I'm going I'm to cheat on my I'm going to cheat on my wife today. I'm going to commit adultery today. Not many people do that. But do you know where it starts? One thing, one little thing, one thing that you know cheesed you off. You know, ah, uh, you know they they didn't buy me flowers today. You know, and then next year they didn't buy flowers again for my birthday. Five years running, they don't buy me flowers. It's just one thing that leads to another thing, that leads to another thing, and that leads to one comment, one conversation, one coffee, one meal, one straw, one kiss, one work trip, and then bam! You're so far away. You've committed adultery. Friends, you've got to fight it. You've got to proactively fight it from the beginning. And that means you need to fight for your marriage. The problem is we're too busy living our lives that we forget to invest into the most important human relationship that God has given to you as a married person, and that's your spouse. One of the things that that my wife and I always tell our couples, don't stop dating you know, when you're dating, right, you get excited. You know, you're like, Thursday night, we're going to go out on a date. I'm going to take you to this new restaurant. I'm going to get dressed up. You know, uh, it's going to be great fun. And then you, you want to talk to them. You get excited about talking to them. You go, you enjoy a great meal. And you, you enjoy, you know, just that time together. Problem is, when you get married, you, you're just together all the time. There's no excitement. There's no getting to know each other anymore. And you just stop and you just just live. What's worse is when you have kids, you get tired. You're you're too busy just raising the kid. And at that moment, you stop investing into your marriage. And you start moving backwards. Every single day, you have a choice to strengthen your marriage or not. Every single day, as a married person, you have the choice to invest into your marriage to make it stronger, or you can sit back and do nothing. And that might be fine for five years or for 10 years, but then the moment, bang, something happens, you just not got it ready. 
and it's too far gone. You need to be proactive. You need to be proactive fighting things. Number three, keep things in the light. The enemy wants you to keep things in the dark, meaning don't talk about it, don't share it with your friends, your life groups, don't address the issues that you have with your spouse. That's what the enemy wants. I've heard this before. Oh, we don't talk about our, our marriage. We don't talk about our private issues with other people. And in my head, I'm like, you're stuffed. You're stuffed because when it blows up, you got no help at all. You got no accountability. You got no transparency because it's all in the dark. The dark is where the enemy wants you to be. The dark is where all the lies and the deceit play. So how do we fight that? You've got to bring it into the light. Proactively bring it into the light. To see it for what it actually is. Meaning, if it's broken, at least know that it's broken. So go get help. If you need help, go get it. If you need accountability, get it now before something happens later. The best chance you have at a godly marriage is one that is in the light and not in darkness. But we don't like that. It's hard. It's hard bringing your dark, deep issues into the light. It's embarrassing. It's shameful to be like, hey, I've been married for 10 years and I I still really struggle to love my wife. It's really hard because, you know, we're all proud people. But I'm just saying, if if you care about your marriage... You've got to do the hard work, and the hard work is to bring it into the light. Can I tell you, when I was growing up, counseling, seeing psychiatrists, psychologists, it was like taboo. It was like, why would you go see them? You're weak. Something's wrong with you. Can I tell you, they're there to help you. If you're sick, why wouldn't you go see a doctor? You know, for me, the first ounce of like, oh, I feel like I'm getting sick. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to go see a doctor right? That's me. Why would I not do that in my marriage? But you know what? If, if, if I take the marriage context into the, into the health issue, it's like, man, I'm sick, but I'm not going to tell anyone. I'm going to work this out by myself. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Google it. I'm going to try my own self-help mechanisms and, and I'm just not going to, oh, you know what? I'm just going to ignore it. I know I'm sick. I know I'm dying. I'm just going to ignore it and let's just get on with life. No one would do that. You'd be a fool to do that. Yet, that happens in our marriages. Married people, I'm asking you, if you are not regularly seeing a counsellor, go see one. I promise you, you don't have to tell me who you are, what your name is, but your marriage has problems. I know, because I know you. You have problems. One problem person, one problem person, put it together, two problems. Right? Do the mass. You need help. And I'm not saying this to condemn you. I'm saying this to help you. Get help. Get professional help. Be proactive and bring the issues into the light. Because I promise you, when they're in the dark, when you don't deal with it, it will never get better. Finally, and I know you've been waiting for this one, for the non-marrieds, right? Be involved. Now, this is going to sound a little ironic. I know that this sermon seems like it's mainly for married people trying to help them to have healthy marriages and warning you as a single person before you get married, don't commit adultery. But 
this sermon is as relevant to a single non-married person as to a married person. Why? Because of the definition of adultery. It's a married person that has an affair with a non-married person. Right? That's you. That's all the singles. Right? That's all the people not married. And a lot of you would think, right? No one wakes up in the morning as a single person and goes, you know what? I'm going to wreck a home today. I'm going to commit adultery. I'm going to completely destroy a marriage today. Right? No one thinks like that. And if you do something definitely wrong with you, and we're going to pray for you. Right? And you would never think, oh, I would never do that. That's never going to be me. That's someone else. I would never break up a marriage. I'd never break up a family. Friend, do not be naive. That's that pride and that ignorance that can cause you into trouble. It can happen and it has happened so many times. As single people, you need to be on guard, firstly for yourself and secondly for the marrieds around you. You need to learn to honor the marriages around you. This means considering the types of friendships you have, right? This is just one example, right? Considering the types of friendships you have with especially married people of the opposite gender, right? It seems okay, but we were friends before they were married, right? But I'll tell you, without healthy boundaries and transparency, in one sense, you are providing the perfect storm for adultery to happen. Friend, you need to consider what you say, how you say it, what you wear, what situation you find yourself. And I'm not saying avoid married couples. I'm saying be aware. And be involved in a healthy way. Create accountability and support and pray for them. The fight against adultery is not just for the married people in the church, but it's for everyone. We all need to fight against adultery. Something that is important to God has to be important to all of us. Do you know why God speaks on adultery so much in Scripture? I was thinking about this. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Jesus talks about it so much in so many of his sermons. Throughout history, it's just adultery, adultery, adultery. Why is that? It's not just because God hates adultery. But you've got to ask, why does God hate adultery? It's because he loves marriage. God treasures marriage so much. The covenant of one man and one woman that he created for man. He treasures it so much that anything that goes against it, anything that will try to break that apart, God hates that. You know, people go, oh, you know, our God, he's a loving God. And so he would never hate, he would never be angry. Can I tell you, if you love something that much, if you love something that much, anything that threatens what you love, you will hate well, a great example is I love my kids, right? All five of them. 
just a very high capacity loving guy, I, I realized, right? Lots of love to give, right? I love my kids so much that if you come and try to attack one of my children that I love, I know that for a lot of people, you think, you know, Pastor Steve, he's just a loving, calm, collected kind of a guy, right? If you want to see me go absolutely bonkers, try to attack one of my children. I would ninja, BJJ, MMA, everything. And you know why? Because I, I, I love my kids so much. I will go to jail. I will protect what I love to the point of how much I love. And that is why God is protecting. You've got to understand why he hates adultery so much is because of what he actually loves. And he loves marriage. And this is where we need to start to change the way we think about adultery. We need to stop thinking about how do we not commit adultery? How do we not cheat? It's no, no, no. Wisdom that says, start with fearing God. Think about what God thinks. God loves it. He loves it so much. And we should too. We should value it. We should honor it higher than, 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 than the world does. As I said, the fight for marriages is not on just the married people. It's on our whole community. Um, no one is exempt. And I think this is one of the things, right? So many people think, oh, that's not me. I'm not going to do that. This is an irrelevant sub, you know, sermon to me. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll forward it to you know, my friend who's having a tough marriage. No. No one is exempt. I promise you, I, I've, I've seen it with my own eyes. I've experienced it in, in my own ministry. People that love God and, and love each other fall. They make mistakes. You know, at the end of the day, we all have the capacity to commit adultery. How do I know this? Because we all have committed adultery against God. God who was faithful to us. God whose love was unconditional to us. We were not faithful to God. We cheated on God. And we chose outside of this beautiful relationship that God had for us. We chose our own fun. We chose our own ways. But the beauty of God was even when we cheated on God and even when we committed adultery to God because of God's love, his unfailing and unconditional love, he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to pay the price for our adultery. He paid the penalty for our sins as he died on the cross. Why? Because God treasures you and the relationship that he has with you. That's the love of God. How crazy is that? If, if, if your spouse cheated on you, that you could not just forgive them, but you actually pay the penalty for their sin. That's our God. That's how much he loves us. But hear this, and this is where I do want to land today. In the same way, and this is really important, in the same way that everyone is a sinner, in the same way that everyone has committed adultery against God, everyone 
can receive the love and the forgiveness of God that is offered through his son Jesus, including including those that have committed adultery, including those that have fallen to the, the trap and the temptations outside of their marriage. See, I don't want to I don't want to be in a position where I'm judging or I'm putting you on the spot, but friend, if it was you, if you were the one that committed adultery in your marriage or later in your life, if you ever find your spouse, if, if you ever find yourself in that space, remember this: as much as God hates sin, He loves you. And as much as you might have done the dumbest thing that you could have chosen to do in your life, that God's grace still is available to you. There is no sin, including adultery. There is no sin that God cannot forgive that, that God will turn you away and say, well, no, that, that's too bad. But even the sin of adultery, even though he hates it so much, he still forgives. And that might mean nothing to you today, but maybe 5, 10, 20, 30 years time, if you ever experience this, I hope that you would remember that God's grace and his love is greater than your sin. You know, a lot of people that have fallen to this guilt, their, their lives are filled with guilt, their, their lives are filled with shame. And it's this idea that I'm, I'm too sinful, I'm too bad. Why would God love me? Why would God accept me? He knows what I've done. But the scriptures tell us there is nothing that you have done in your life that can turn away the love of God. That's why God is so amazing. That's why his love is so amazing. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that just because God can forgive you that everything in your marriage will be fine. There will be scars. There will be scars on this side of eternity. But what it does mean is that you will not suddenly be disqualified by God into his kingdom. Friends, it's that moment. If at that moment you choose wisdom, meaning to choose to fear God, then God will help you to find your way back to him. God will help you find your way back to his presence. So there's two things that well, three things that I want to really hammer home. Proverbs 6.32, he who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys him. Do not underestimate, firstly, God's hatred for adultery, and secondly, the destruction of it. Literally, I have seen people's lives absolutely destroyed. I have had to have conversations with young children 
that have been, their lives have been destroyed. Uh, there are so many people even in our community is because of the brokenness of their parents that they, they're so broken. Do not underestimate the devastation of adultery. Do not be proud to think that this is never going to happen to me. I promise you when at your weakest, the enemy will and can attack. But secondly, we need to uphold marriage. Hebrews 13, 4, let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. And as much as that, it feels like, you know, wait a minute, Steve, you said that God, you know, can forgive. Yeah, he can, but he's, it's just how much he hates it because hey, how much he loves marriage. Don't underestimate how much God loves marriage. How precious marriage is to him. And so we should honor that. We should honor marriage. Whether you're married or whether someone around you is married, you need to fight for that. Thirdly, and this is the summary of it all, adultery is bad. Adultery is sin. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to sugarcoat that at all. It is not what God desires. It completely misses the mark of God. That's sin. But God's love and his forgiveness is greater. So for those that have had that experience in their life, remember that God's love is greater. God's love and forgiveness is greater than what you've done. You can be forgiven. You just have to choose wisdom. So I pray, not just for all of our married couples, but I pray for everyone in our community that we would understand where marriage is held in the hand of God. Secondly, we would actively fight against adultery. But thirdly, that we would freely be forgiven of the sins that we've committed in our lives because our God loves you. Let's pray.